What's up, guys? Hi, Chase. What's up? So, as you guys can see, things look quite differently this year around in Refuge. Um, Dave is not out of town. He's here. But um, this year, uh, we've kind of moved and transgressed, or moved into a new refuge, I guess. Um, But we have JJ leading worship, obviously, as you guys just saw. And I will be preaching quite often this semester, uh, along with Dave and a couple other speakers. Um, But the church has actually given me a awesome opportunity to intern this fall, and um, I I guess, um, so I've I've had the call to be a pastor, and that is why this opportunity has come about, and um, it's been a little over a year now that I've been wrestling with that, and I'm taking classes at Boyce College, um, going for my undergrad, and I'll be pursuing uh, ministry. And so, so that's a little background, I guess, a little tidbit. Um, this year, we're going to talk about 1 John. Um, 1 John was written to confirm the saints. Um, but before we confirm the saints, I want to make sure that we have, um, that we convert sinners. And um, that is what the Gospel of John was written for. Uh, in verse 20, 31, he's, he talks about it was written to um, conform or transform people and change their lives with the gospel. That's what um, John says. And uh, so my, our text tonight will be in John three sixteen 16 uh, through 21. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And I will read God's word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the judgment the light has come into the world, And people love darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray now that you would... um, Fill this room with your presence, Lord. You would be with us, God. I pray that you would speak through me mightily. I admit that I cannot do anything apart from you. I cannot, I cannot save with my own words, Lord. It is by your power that people are transformed. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a mighty work and you would pierce hearts tonight and you would use me for your glory. In your name, amen. So tonight I want to talk about five terms. There's five terms in uh, this passage of scripture that I want to define. Um, The first one would be the world. Who is John talking about here when he says God so loved the world? Um, I want to talk about I want to talk about condemned already when he says 
whoever does not believe is condemned already. I want to talk about God's love, for God so loved the world. I want to define that term, that phrase. I want to define the only Son of God, who is the only Son of God. And I want, in the last term, I want to uh, define and explain is, uh, does what is true, which is found in the last verse, um, but whoever does what is true comes to the light. So maybe clearly seeing that his work's been carried out in God. So now we can dive right in. So the world. Who is the world? The world in this text is not referring to the elect of God or believers of God. John is not saying, for God so loved his chosen people that he gave his only son, though that is a true statement. John is using the phrase of the world to describe the totality of humanity's fallenness. We all, apart from Christ, are fallen, rebellious creatures. That is who he's talking about when he says the world. We all, as his creation, are fallen, rebellious creatures who hate God apart from Christ. John commonly refers, in, uh, refers to the world in this way. Uh, in chapter 1, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This term, know, is uh, very specific and it's intimate. It's like, I know my wife, but... I may not know other people like I know my wife, like I know on Facebook, like I'm friends with on Facebook. There's a different kind of knowing and intimate connection that is there. I'll give you, I'll give you a, few more, a few more examples. In chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. It cannot hate you because you are of the world. Again, this is apart from Christ. You are a in the world and the world hates God in John chapter 4 verse 17 Jesus says even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him so we see the phrase see that the phrase the world is referring to fallen mankind apart from Christ we are all on a level playing field rejecting God and haters of God. John describes the state of humanity by saying we love darkness because in darkness our filthy deeds remain hidden. He says that in 19 and 20. We love the darkness. Apart from Christ, we don't want our we don't we want to stay in our comfort zone. We don't want to be exposed by the light. We love darkness. Reject God, because God is light. There is no darkness in God, therefore we hate Him and don't want to come to Him. Humanity, because of the fall, Adam's sin in the garden, is dead in their trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The world lives in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. The world tells you, be yourself. You know, express yourself and be yourself. And that is, that's the world. 
The world is by nature children of God's wrath. Our hearts are sick and desperately wicked apart from Christ. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. We are all under sin. There is none who are righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks after God. The way of peace, we do not know. Christ is our peace and we do not know him. Therefore we have no peace. There is no fear of God before the eyes of the world. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. He does not fear God. We are blinded from seeing the glory of God. We have all been brought forth in sin, David tells us in Psalm 51 verse 5. We are born in this sin. This leads us to our next phrase, condemned already. Those who do not believe in the Son of God are condemned already. This is a profound statement. This means that those who are of the world are under God's wrath until you believe in Christ. John says another way at the end of this chapter. He says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. We are under God's wrath apart from Christ. Jonathan Edwards, uh, in his famous uh, sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, he uses the analogy of a slippery slope. So, like, we're on there's a mountain, it's all slippery, ice, wrath of God. He says a few things about this. He says, those who, apart from Christ, are on that mountain, on that slope, they are always exposed to destruction. They're always exposed to sudden falls at any moment. At any moment, they could slip and fall. Apart from Christ, you perish. Their only reason for falling is themselves alone. It's our sin that condemns us. And why they have not yet fallen is because God's time for them has not yet come. This is a scary truth. Hell and separation from God could be one car ride away. Or just beyond those doors. I say all this not to scare you and manipulate you into making a decision of faith, but to show the seriousness of God's wrath and to show the dangers of sin. The hard and impotent heart of man before Christ's saving work is storing up for himself wrath on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Or in Edward's analogy, you slip and fall. This judgment of God rightly falls on those who do not believe in the Son of God. God is a righteous God. He will not sweep your sin under the rug. He's a just God and he demands perfection. But thanks be to God that he does not leave us here. There's more to this story. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. This brings me to my next phrase. God so loved. This passage in John chapter 3 was written that we might grasp and understand the love that God has for the world described above. We are sinful, reject God, the world. 
The world rejects God, yet God sends his son that the world might be saved. We know and can understand what love God has for the world by understanding how rebellious we truly are. God did not send his son to condemn the world. That's amazing. He sent his son into the world to save rebellious sinners, not to condemn the world. Fallen, rebellious, haters of God, yet he did not send his son to condemn us. But in order that the world might be saved through him, we are already condemned and God has sent his son to save those who believe from their condemnation. He loves the world so much that he sent his only son to be mistreated, despised, and rejected by man for the salvation of anyone, anyone who believes. This love shows no partiality. It reaches and saves from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now, I do want to clarify something. There is a difference between the love that God has for the world and the love that God has for those who believe. This topic desires, or deserves an entire sermon in itself. But I can only uh, briefly mention it here. Paul speaks of this love in Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Paul here is mentioning a specific group of people that experience God's full covenantal love because they believe in the Son of God. Jesus also references this group of people in his analogy of the sheep. In John chapter 10, he says, I know my own, and my own know me. This is the same knowing that I was talking about earlier. Jesus also says, My sheep hear my voice, a stranger's voice they will not follow. What happens when you don't make that differentiation between the love of the world and the love for his uh, people, his chosen people, is that you strip the believer from the intimate love with the Father. There is an intimate love that the Father has for those who believe in his Son that far exceeds the love he has for the world. This love is offered to you today. Come, may today be the day of salvation for you. This leads me to my next phrase, the only Son of God. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew sixteen thirteen to 16. I'll read it. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In this, in this passage of scripture, we see clearly that Jesus is the son of the living God. We'll come back to this passage a little later. 
Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He is the light of the light that has come into the world. He is the Word of God made manifest. He is the Lamb of God that was sacrificed in our place that we may have eternal life. The Gospel of John makes it very clear who Jesus is. Jesus is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him shall not hunger, and whoever believes in him shall never thirst. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not walk in, dark, in the darkness of chapter 3. They will not cling to their darkness and cling to their sin. Please, God, don't expose me. They love their sin. Jesus, will have, Jesus is uh, the light of life. Jesus is the door. He is the only way to salvation. He is the door. If anyone enters by him, he will be saved. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We looked at this passage of scripture already. Jesus is the true vine, and his father is the vine dresser. Those who abide in Christ will bear good fruit. And God will prune so that you may bear much fruit. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, though he die, he shall live. You will die to your flesh, and you shall live for eternity in the presence of God. There will be a glorious life to come for those who believe in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Apart from Christ, there is God's righteous judgment on us all. But because of the perfect and sinless life of Christ, those who put their faith and trust in him will be saved. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ has fulfilled the law, something we could not do. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know and grow in your love for God and your knowledge of, of who Jesus is, uh, study the Gospels. Study the life of Christ. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All things were made for him and through him. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So if anyone thirsts, come to Christ and drink. John says, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. If you come to Christ, your heart will not be a stagnant pool. Rivers of living water. Come, all you who are weary, and Christ will give you rest. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Lastly, does what is true. In this uh, phrase, I want to do two things, kind of two subcategories. I want to talk about the believer who does what is true. You should 
One, experience change in your life. And two, I want to point out that it is God who does that change in your life. I am truly afraid for those who profess Christ and believe but experience no change. I'm afraid for those people. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. For those who are in Christ Jesus, you have been bought with a price. You've been purchased. Now you are called to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. How are you going to do it? How are you going to be worthy of the calling after we just kind of found out about how how sinful we really are in the world? How in the world can we be manner, I mean, uh, worthy of the calling? God will do that. Be imitators of Christ. You are to walk in love to those around you. At one time you were darkness. So it's not in darkness anymore. Paul says you were you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Those who you can sit in there and you can hear and you can hear all the read the Bible Hear all the commands and say, oh, it's good stuff, it's good stuff. But if you don't act it out, you're deceiving yourself. We must be sanctified in truth, for God's word is truth. Gotta live in this book. For we have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. This salvation is the glorious truth of the gospel. For God who said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Directly before this passage in um, John chapter 3, John says, or Jesus says rather, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with the Spirit. The Spirit comes and goes and penetrates hearts and opens eyes and transforms lives for the glory of God. Now we can go back to the passage in Matthew 16 when Peter answered, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say to him? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. That's his old name. His old name in the, in the world, his worldly name. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I cannot reveal this to you. Dave cannot reveal this to you. 
but my Father who is in heaven. God opens eyes. God transforms hearts. This is a glorious truth about God's sovereignty. There is great, great joy and peace in the sovereignty of God. If you are in Christ today, God did that. God gets all of the glory, and his glory he does not share with another. We are the branches, and we cannot bear fruit, good fruit by ourselves unless we abide in the vine who is Christ. For apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Go, Actually, go, go to John 15. I'm going to it. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, that is not changed, that is not transformed, that does not continue in sanctification, become more like Christ, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. God does this work. For apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. To God alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So if you are in Christ, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And he will transform you from one degree of glory to the next. And you will experience true, genuine change and bear much fruit. If you are not experiencing change in your life, abide in Christ. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man who finds that treasure, out of the joy of finding that treasure, he sells all that he has and buys that field. The world calls this foolishness. Christ is foolishness to the world. If you are not in Christ, I plead with you to talk to someone after this. The implications of this gospel message are bigger than anything else in this world. There is no greater joy than this message. There is no greater joy than being in Christ. He, Christ is the end. He is our joy. Turn from your sin and embrace the love and mercy that God has for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would work on these people's hearts, Father. You would encourage them, strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that we will experience change. We will enjoy who you are. We will taste and savor the word of God, 
and let it transform us. I pray, Lord, that we would abide in Christ. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would blow in this place. God, I pray that people's lives would be transformed for the glory of your name. I pray that you will save your people. I pray that you will do a mighty work in refuge this year. I pray that you do it all for the glory of your name, Lord. I thank you and love you in your name. Amen.